0: listen now to our prayer for illumination guide us O god by your word and holy spirit that in your light we may see light in your truth find freedom and in your will discover peace through christ our lord amen today's first scripture reading is psalm 104 24 through 35. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things, both small and great. There go the ships and leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them... They gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who look on the earth and it trembles who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. The word of God. Amen. God.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Our second scripture today, pull this up here just a second. On this Pentecost Sunday, uh, we'll be continuing to um, read stories from uh, the Gospels as we hear of the resurrection life in Jesus. And we begin to kind of look ahead to where God is leading us uh, as as a community in these days of Pentecost. Uh, and what I want to say before I begin with the scripture reading is that uh, the story of Pentecost is one of a bit of fire and spirit, and to preach and to speak in a time like this uh, in our world, we, uh, I, uh, there's, there's no way to do it without fire and spirit myself, and I feel that in my heart. My heart is heavy today, and my heart is inspired by the way the spirit is at work in us. So hear this, the word of the Lord as it is uh, the abundant living water that pours out from Christ and the fire and the spirit that falls upon us today in Pentecost. Our second scripture reading is from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not glorified yet. the gospel of our Lord. Friends, it has been a heavy week for our nation. And so while I have a sermon prepared, it will ring hollow if I don't acknowledge what I know many of us are feeling as we gather together today. Riots have broken out around our country in response to the senseless, brutal, racist killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis this week. This murder on the tales of so many other black lives lost and diminished through systemic violence and centuries of cultural enslavement. Lord have mercy. We lament and we cry out and we rise in solidarity with the voiceless and oppressed. Add to this the death toll of over 100,000 Americans to the coronavirus amongst some 370,000 deaths worldwide. Lord, have mercy. We lament and we cry out and we rise to stand for the silenced lives of all who we have lost. To be the church, To bear witness to the liberating power of Christ is to never, ever shy away and turn a blind eye in such times. For many of us who are gathered here today, we could do just that. So many of us are privileged. We are the stable, the relatively well-off. So thank you very much, we're fine, we could say. We could ride the wave of such unrest and emerge unscathed, but this is not the witness of the people of Christ. Rather, on this Pentecost Sunday, we bear witness to the power of the Spirit, which does not spread division, but rather unites all people and brings to light injustice so that it may be dismantled. We turn to the one who offers living water, not just for ourselves, but so that we might be the ones who quench the thirst of the parched masses in our world who have been denied a drink for so long. Hear this. Words and actions that aggravate violence, ways that amplify disunity, hearts that seem bent upon sowing unrest and demeaning the other, This is not the work of the Spirit. This work is antichrist. And the church must also speak out against such evil and hold fast to the Spirit which unites and binds us together. Lord, have mercy. Friends, the people we see rioting in the streets, the people who march through our very city of Bellingham, the people who bend the knee in protest and lift their voices at injustice, these are people who are thirsty. Thirsty for a life free from racism. Thirsty for a life free from bigotry. Thirsty for a life free from oppression. Thirsty for a world where there is unity and shared spirit of family, mutual respect and celebration among people of different races and colors of skin. Do not turn your eyes away from the thirsty. To deny their thirst is to deny their life. To deny their thirst is either to privilege your own thirst or to deny your own thirst as well saying it doesn't matter or life isn't that important. The spirit that we proclaim today is the same spirit that the prophets promised would roll down like justice, like a mighty river. This is the same river of living water that Jesus offers. In love and liberation and hope, we invite all to come to that water. Come with your burden your pain, your scars, your chains. Come and be set free. This is Pentecost. This is the Spirit. This is the way of life in Christ. So today, may the winds of Pentecost, the winds of the Spirit, blow through our world. May the rivers of life that are on offer from Christ be offered by the church freely with hospitality, compassion, welcome, generosity, and hope. May we be a people on the cusp of a new way, just like the first church, just like the first believers, torn away from their lives by a liberating force of love that overpowers hate, life-giving water that undoes the weight of death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And come, O Holy Spirit, come. Let us pray. God, open our hearts to hear your word today, this movement of your spirit in us. May we be agents of your action and liberation in the world. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word, O Lord, stands forever. Amen. Now that that is said, This is the rest of the sermon. (laughs) I hope it all ties together. As some of you know, I enjoy distance running. I like it when I have a chance to go out on a trail and run for a couple hours and climb and twist and turn and discover new destinations all over Whatcom County. A couple of months back, I went out with no destination in mind and I got myself a little bit lost in the Chuckanut Mountains. Thankfully, fellow trail hikers pointed me in the right direction and made it home safely. And one of the things that you really notice when you're out on the trail or a distance run is how thirsty you get. When you run races, there are typically water stations every few miles where you can hydrate and refuel. But when you're training and you're out there on your own either bringing water is key or not going too far uh, not spreading your wings further than they're ready to fly is is a necessity and after a run like this where i got a little bit lost i bought one of the best tools in a distance runner's arsenal a hydration pack now i can fill up a lightweight backpack with water a couple of granola bar, bars, my cell phone, and I can easily hit the trail for a long run without worry of getting thirsty. I can pack water with me, just enough for the day, enough to sustain the workout. What if you could only get water from one aid station and only it was at the start or at the finish line? What if you could only get the food you need from one grocery store, and everyone had to line up outside to get their turn. Hmm, that sounds a little familiar. What if the good news could only be found at the temple, only be found by coming to the church building? What if the Spirit of God was only doled out on Sundays in the church sanctuary? How could we operate? How could we be sustained, our thirst quenched? thankfully we find good good news in today's pentecost text the spirit has blown open the doors of the building in the work of jesus christ come drink and be filled and let the rivers of the spirit pour out all around us this text uh is situated in the festival of tabernacles where we find jesus reading from uh where we find this reading from john And the festival was initiated as a harvest celebration. But over time, it began to point to the hope of God's ultimate outpouring of abundant water from the source of God's dwelling, the temple. Think about it this way, to mark the end of the harvest, people would celebrate that God had once provided again for the people what they need for the year's food stores. A festival would involve celebration and feasting, gathering together in Jerusalem at the temple to celebrate the goods of the year. Over time, this festival evolves, and imagine how it takes on the markers of God's faithfulness through the ages. Year after year, God provides with the harvest. Some years more, some years less, but every year we look back on the harvest and thank God for what has been gathered to touch on God's faithfulness in the past year reminds us that people can be forming their expectation of the future, that God would certainly provide hope for the harvest again. I can imagine what it'd be like to be a farmer in the middle of the season, watching plants begin to sprout up and wondering about what would be the yield in the coming harvest. Would it be enough? And then as the farmer, remembering the festivals of years past, Oh, the joy to celebrate how God has provided. Oh, the memories of God's goodness. And then in the middle of the season, while you reflect, a farmer could find hope. A memory of God's goodness, but projected into the future. The hope of the upcoming harvest that it would be enough as well. And so the festival can begin to take on what we would call an eschatological hope a hope of the ultimate end, of God's reign in goodness and power. It is bigger than a harvest. It is about how God's faithfulness would lead ahead of us because we trust in God's goodness thus far along. And so Jesus speaks into this hopeful festival. As he does so throughout the Gospels, Jesus takes a hope and an anthem of the Hebrew people that longing for streams of living water and re-envisions the teaching with the promise of the Messiah himself right at the center. The scriptures are being fulfilled in him. So come and drink and let your thirst be quenched. He says that the ones who celebrate and trust in him will be the ones who have that same living water pouring out of themselves. And we know it's not just water we're talking about. It's not just a good harvest and God taking care of our needs. What's happening here is Jesus is assuring those who believe in him that even when he goes away, there will also be a spirit of life, the spirit of living water itself with them, for them, pouring out through them, Blessing all peoples with the harvest that is not simply food and material abundance, but the ultimate providence of God's living presence in our human lives themselves. God with us fully, with our spirits, the spirit which enlivens us. Not just God who is far off or God in Christ's form, but the spirit of God indwelling and empowering you and me and all those who take a drink of that living water. Isn't this, this is powerful stuff, isn't isn't it? You thought you came to a festival to celebrate the good harvest of a year? Well, Jesus says, how about we blow it wide open and celebrate that the spirit of God is falling upon human lives and empowering them to roll out of the temple like, Uh, like streams of living water, like rivers of justice, mercy, grace, forgiveness, witness to the one who is greater than all, the greater than all they need, all hunger, all lack, all injustice, all racism, the empowering one, the advocate is coming as promised. I wonder about this passage in our context, but first I want to take the intermediate step. Think about this teaching in the context of the early church, the ones waiting in the upper room that we remember in the first story of Pentecost. Like the disciples and Jesus gathered during the festival of tabernacles, <clears throat> in the book of Acts, the early church members were gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of Shavat, or the Pentecost celebration, 50 days after the Passover. This was a celebration of the first fruits of the harvest. I want you to pause there and catch the striking bookend that these two festivals form in these passages. Jesus promises at the end of the at the festival at the end of the harvest that the riving river of living life is coming. And then at the festival marking the good beginning of the harvest, with the new fruits being gathered, we see the disciples given the gift of a new way of being human. The advocate, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus promises the Spirit, and the Spirit arrives as the first fruit of a new age, a new harvest, a new outpouring of living water for the ones who have witnessed it. From yet another gathering of God's people from all around the world in Jerusalem, we find an outpouring of the Spirit which empowers and sends God's people out from its epicenter in a whole new way empowered with a message of living water to be shared. This is a new harvest opening up. So from the Festival of Tabernacles to the Festival of Pentecost, now we move into our context. It's very easy for us to want to gather again at the temple and look for the outpouring of the Spirit to come. Not the temple itself, but how about how we think about our church buildings? Isn't that where we're supposed to be today, friends? Isn't that the site of the Pentecost revival? Isn't it supposed to occur there and then send us out? Well, we can't do that today. And so are we just sunk? Does this powerful teaching of the promised spirit just fizzle out and dissipate and leave us alone once more? huddled in our homes? <clears throat> it sure feels like an anticlimactic moment, doesn't it? Shouldn't we be dancing and singing in many languages and waving streamers or doing whatever it is that good Presbyterian Pentecostals do? Here is what, where I want to challenge us to rethink what it means to live in the Spirit. Let's back up just a second here. Jesus gets up in the temple and teaches. But does he teach that the temple is the source of that living water? No. He says he is the source. Come to him and drink. And does he say that out of the temples that we go create in his name, that living water of the Holy Spirit will continue to pour out? No. Where does the water come from then? friends, it comes from our hearts. To be in the spirit is to have that water filling our hearts and overflowing from our core, our being, our living in the spirit. So I ask, are you quarantined at home? Are you alone and isolated? Are you longing to get back to a building where you can get your living water once more? Hear good news today. The Spirit is pouring out upon all flesh today, not through a building, not through a temple, not through a revival meeting, but through our hearts. Specifically, the hearts of those who hear the message, hearts of those who have come to drink fully from the fountain that is Christ's life. Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. The waters of justice will flow from those who have found the one who gives living water. Let's bring it on home. What does it look like to drink in Christ's presence today and to receive the spirit of living water? It looks like slowing down to truly breathe in God's presence in each moment. It looks like taking care of ourselves and nurturing even the smallest spark of hope that we have in this dark time. It looks like loving others, not out of obligation or for our own manipulative ends, but out of the joyful fulfillment that comes from offering care. It means seeking wisdom and drinking it deeply, rather than being thrown about by the storms the words on the street or in the news. It looks like filling the cup of another with a kind word of peace or a strong word of solidarity. Acknowledging that by filling others' cups, we might all be able to drink from that water and be sustained. Friends, uh, from our homes, from our lives in dispersion, we become tributaries and avenues of that living water to pour out and spread through the earth. This is what Jesus inaugurates. No longer do the people need to go to the temple to find that water. Rather, we go to the places where we find Christ. We go inward at times to hear his voice more clearly. We gather together like we are to see him in each other. And we drink fully. That we might get into the flow of the river ourselves, get into the Spirit. So, hear this let anyone who is thirsty come to Christ. Our thirst is quenched. Hallelujah. Our hearts are filled. Hallelujah. Our spirits are enlivened on this day. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.